Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from the third chapter of Luke's gospel. This morning I want to read the second part of verse 2 through verse 18 to you and invite you to stand in reverence to the reading of the gospel. Luke writes, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds ask him, What then shall we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and were all questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy as to untie the thong of his sandal. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floors and to gather the wheat into the granary. The chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Let us pray together. God, open our hearts and our minds by the inspiration of Your Holy Spirit, that as Your words are proclaimed on this day, we would receive them with joy. Amen. Thomas Long tells a story about a beautiful Sunday morning and a beautiful downtown church. He said people were were coming in, gathering for worship in the sanctuary, And in the midst of all the people coming in, a well-dressed man walked into the downtown church and he found his way to the balcony of the church. Long says that the church service started just like any other church service had started for every Sunday, therefore. But he said in the middle of the service, the well-dressed man who was in the balcony stood up and shouted as loud as he could, I have a word from the Lord. So the place went quiet. He he said immediately, ushers sprang like gazelles up the balcony stairs. 
And they, they took this man and, and they escorted him out of the balcony and, and out the front door. Long talking about the incident says this. He said, That's, there's kind of some irony here. He said, week after week, those of us who preach stand in the pulpit and announce that we have a word from the Lord. He said, and usually nobody complains. No alarmed ushers bound into the pulpit to drag us away. But you let a stranger stand up in the balcony with a word and all decorum breaks loose. An unexpected voice from an unexpected angle. Long goes on to say this. Now in all probability, the fellow in the balcony may have been running a court or two low on reality. But let's not miss the point of the story. The point here is that God's Word often comes from balcony. It surprises us. It disturbs us. Sometimes it embarrasses us coming from places that we least expect it. But isn't that just like our God? I don't know about you, but I think John the Baptist was probably one of those balcony kind of guys. Think about John the Baptist dressed in his wild animal skins, eating locusts and wild honey. He would stand out in any congregation, wouldn't he? Yet, this is the man that God chose to announce the coming of the Messiah. Today's the second Sunday in Advent. And we talked last week about making sure that we celebrate and focus on all that is right and good and sacred about this season. Not to look at things with a critical eye. I gave you that one quote that I hope you remembered. We won't see it until we believe it. And so we have to, to look with open eyes and open hearts and open minds for, for what is right and good and holy about this sacred season. Advent, again, is a season of preparation, a season of expectation for the coming of the Christ child. Now, for most of us, when we think about preparing for Advent or preparing for Christmas, there is a long list of things we do to make sure that we're ready, to make sure that we're prepared. We decorate the tree, we put bright colored lights on the outside of our houses like Clark Griswold. We hang stockings, we write letters to Santa Claus, we deliver those letters to Santa Claus, we wrap presents, we send out Christmas cards, we cook and bake special treats for family and friends. Preparation is a great part of the joy of the Christmas season. But here's the question and I want us to ponder for a moment. Are the preparations that you and I make each and every year for Advent and Christmas, enough? Are they enough? I would say if we look at our Gospel lesson this morning, and if we really take it to heart, the, the buying the gifts, the putting up the trees, the lights, the decorations, are not enough. In our Gospel lesson this morning, John, the, the, the balcony prophet, tells us that there are some, some other things that we need to make sure we do in preparation for the coming of the Christ. Luke tells us that John the Baptist uh, was preaching a gospel of repentance. The word repent means to change or, or to turn 
but probably the, the definition of repent I like the most is to go beyond our present state of mind. Repent, to go beyond our, our present state of mind. And, and Advent is indeed a time that we should be preparing and anticipating the coming of the Christ child. But it also should be a time that we look inside ourselves. That we reflect on the direction that we are traveling as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ, as the church. Because here's what happens. Sometimes... When we start to reflect, when we start to look inward, we realize that we need to turn around or change directions. So many times in our faith journey, we fall off course and we require some adjustment. In order to make sure that we're traveling in the right direction towards our goal, which is Christ Jesus. In the gospel lesson this morning, John uses... Isaiah's imagery of, of road construction to kind of illustrate the, the kind of course corrections that might be necessary for you and for me. He said sometimes our path become crooked or broken and, and need to be straightened out. Sometimes we fall out of step with God. We put up obstacles that, that keep us from being who God has called us to be. And so sometimes we need to remove those obstacles. We need to remove those distractions which keep us off the straight path. Sometimes we wander into rough patches where we become abrasive and hurtful. And so we need to do some repair work to ourselves to, to smooth out the rough edges, to soften them, uh, to become gentler when we talk to others or even look at ourselves. John calls us to, to make whatever corrections we need to make. He calls us to repent, to change our way, to go beyond our present state of mind to make the transformation we need in order to be who God calls us to be. Another great image or illustration or even definition for repentance is that it is a 180 degree change or about face. So what happens is when we truly repent, we, we turn 180 degrees from where we are and we begin to live differently. It changes our heart. It changes our, our orientation. It changes our commitment. There's other things we need to prepare for the coming of the Christ child this year. After we repent, after we begin to try to live that, that righteous life, we begin to realize pretty fast that we don't have the power within ourselves to live exactly like God calls us to live. We need some help. And so we have to let God shower us with His grace. Grace is one of those church words that we, we throw around all the time. But what does grace really mean? Grace is the, the unmerited free love of God, which we all experience it whether we realize it or not. If you want a simpler definition of grace, grace is the love that God has for all of us, even though we do not deserve it because of our sinful nature. I grew up listening to a, a comedian by the name of Jerry Clower. Anybody else remember Jerry Clower? Yeah, if you don't, go Google him or look him up on YouTube. And Jerry had story after story about people he knew in, in Mississippi. 
One story he tells is about a lady who he knew in Mississippi who lived near a construction site. And on that particular construction site, the, the workers were putting on a tar roof. Clower says that this woman had 16 young'uns. Now, if you're not from the South, young'uns means children. <laughs> 16 young'uns, he said, this woman had. And one day she lost one of those young'uns. Said she went crazy and she started looking everywhere around the house and, and then in the yard and then she, she branched on out and she made her way to that construction site where she found that young'un in a 50-gallon drum of black roofing tar. Clower says she reached down and she hauled him up. She took one look at him and she shoved him back down into that drum of tar. She ripped him back up again and said, Boy... It'd be a lot easier to have another one of you than to clean you up. <laughs> Don't you know God must feel that way sometimes about us? It'd be a lot easier to have another one of us than to clean us up. Yet God does clean us up. He gives us what we need to, to make a new start. And that is the good news of the Gospel. That is the good news of Advent. That is the good news of Christmas. Because of the Christ child, each of us, each of us can make a new beginning. So again, I ask you, how are you going to prepare for Christmas this year? How are you going to prepare for Advent this year? How are you going to prepare for the coming of the Christ child? Maybe it's with gifts and lights and, and good food and family and friends. And those things are all well and good. But to truly prepare, we also do need to do some other things. We need to repent. To turn away from those things that might be separating us from being who God has called us to be. We, might, we need to strive to, to live differently. And we need to allow ourselves to receive God's love and grace. Allow God to clean us up and give us that new beginning. When we do those things, then I think we can truly celebrate. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.